Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other three are just along for the ride. They are not picking the nose for the record. Um, Tyler, say hi. Uh, hey, hey. And we are joined by some friends of the pod. K-Dub, say what's up. How's it going, guys? And Patrick Lyons, live from Arizona. How you doing? Good. Glad to have you. Uh, glad to be here and glad for you guys to have me. It's fun. Yeah, you're gonna have to turn on that uh turn off that host hat and come as a guest <laughs> hat. <laughs> Glad you're here. It's been a time coming. Um, I do want to start off with you, Patrick, real quick. I don't know if you want to silence the haters, but the DNV- DNVR Rockies account told you to get a life. How would you like to respond to that? Well, I'll just say this: there are several people who run that account, and if there is a you know potential Kaiser Sose theory out there that perhaps I was the one who said that to myself I couldn't really deny because again a lot of people run the DNVR Rockies account so if I'm going out there talking about players who have more triples than stolen bases and that's how I want to use some of my free time when I'm in while I'm in Arizona I could understand somebody making a, a comment about that whether it's me or somebody else that runs the DNVR Rockies account <laughs> I like how you silence the haters, but I'm going to put my money was on Susie that said it. Um, let's talk minors. <laughs> let's talk minors. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, we are here. We're going to be a road to Blake Street. I should have said that at the front. We got the experts all across the board. I'm just acting like one. Um, and let's just start off with the best alternative logo. So there's some fire that was dropped. I'm going to go first. So you, you guys can't steal it. I put it on the rundown, so it won't be a surprise. But the Hartford Yard Goats are going to going to be the bouncy pickles for one night this season. And this story is absolutely hilarious. So Tyler and I were talking before we got started, like he had no idea. So there was a law in 1948 that there had to be a certain threshold for a pickle to be a pickle. So pickle packers, Sidney Spare and Moses Dexler for selling pickles unfit for human consumption. So the rule was take it to a lab and test it or simply drop it one foot off the ground and it should bounce. If it bounces, it's a pickle. If not, you're going to be arrested and pay a $500 fine. So that is Connecticut law. The Hartford Yard Goats and their team went to the, to the deep dive archives and found the bouncing pickles. And if you have not seen their hat, it is fire. You got a pickle on a pogo stick. Colors are sweet. I had it in my cart few times i just couldn't pull the button um but it is a fun one and i know i'm wearing the tacos hat as we speak but the bouncing pickles is my one night one only uh alternative logo absolutely love that story and that is your reason to tune in with that history lesson right there uh wow <laughs> it's fun right <laughs> the Told history of prize yeah and then I dig also, it. the front the fresno Grizzlies are also doing a pickle palooza night sometime in uh, mid May. Did not see much information about that, but they're doing tequila fest, taco fest. So I'm sure it's going to be big and bad, you know, especially with Johnny Bravo running that show. So pickle palooza in Fresno also. Tyler, best alternative so, logo. You know, I got to stay, stay true to my roots. Albuquerque green chili cheeseburgers. It's one of the most ridiculous. I actually at this point the whole the minor league whole you know alternate stuff is very ridiculous in the best kind of way 
but if you are someone, I don't, I don't have the the deep story behind it. I mean, you go to Albuquerque and there's green chili everywhere. And if you, especially if you're living in Denver and you have not had a green chili cheeseburger, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You know, out in Michigan, I could understand if that ha- that hasn't reached the the Midwest yet. But if if you're in Denver, you have not had one. You have to. I've definitely dabbled with making it on my own a little bit. I like to Good. think of myself as a hamburger <laughs> cheeseburger connoisseur. So I like to dabble on my own. It it was good. I think I need to see feel it authentically down in Albuquerque one time before I really pass full time judgment on that. But it's I special. love that logo. The logo sweet. Yeah. No, I'm not too. <laughs> yeah. K dub, what you got, dog? You know, I'm going to admit right off the bat that I definitely misunderstood the assignment here a little bit because I was going to go with the Rochester Red Wings and instead of their normal logo, they have like an R with a feather coming out and I straight up stole that from my men's league. Um, So I was going (laughs) to just go with the Rochester Red Wings out of a little bit of a a call out. Um, But since we are in this space, um, I want to come up with a weird one that I found while I was scrambling to be relevant in this conversation, <laughs> uh, which is the Wisconsin Utter Tuggers. Oh, that was a fun the one. Wisconsin wow. Utter Tuggers. But uh, that one is the uh, Timber Rattlers, the Class A Brewers affiliate, um, has staged a Salute to the Cows theme night annually since 2009, featuring bovine-themed giveaways, displays, and competitions. <laughs> so the Wisconsin Utter Tuggers is going to be my uh, my vote, just so I actually contribute something to this conversation. <laughs> I, that logo's a fun one, too. I like how you found that one. That was a quick find. I like that. Yeah, P-Lions? a scramble. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think because Kenneth got that one wrong there at the start, he definitely needs to draft fourth. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, we'll moving on, moving on. <laughs> uh, That's all I want to say. I don't I'll, have to just go with Patrick says. I'll go ahead and placate the co- the the host, so maybe I can move up in in the draft order here. Uh, I do. I just the Fresno tacos is fantastic. I believe it was the first alternative food identity. Mm-hmm. That was out there. It was them, and I believe it was the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs doing, you know, calling themselves the Bacon. And then it was like tacos versus bacon in the mid 2010s. And so they had a whole thing. So the taco is is fantastic. They they adapted it for the Rockies with the purple brim and and the purple meat on the inside, which is a little questionable, but still. <laughs> uh, and and in talking with some of the people over in Fresno, like I had an idea, and I'm sure probably everyone in, you know here on this podcast had the idea. Fresno Grizzlies had the exact same idea as well. They wanted to make a pin. I don't think I've said this anywhere else. They wanted to make an apostrophe S pin that you could put on your Fresno tacos hat so that it becomes tacos apostrophe S just like Rocky fans know how it's properly spelled, but yet supply chain issues and what have you, the cost to make a pin like that would be astronomical just to even break even. And so well, I mean, we may have to wait for that kind of adaptation, but uh, it's on their way. The Fresno Grizzlies, their head's in the right place. I'll take Fresno Tacos as the best alternative cap. <laughs> it's it's a fun one. And I think, yeah, you and I were talking about that pin on, in the DMs for a little bit. I th- it's Again, a little sticker maybe. Just put it right there. Just take it on and off. Easy to access. And I mean, sticker debacle of 2022. Like, you can make them small enough to put them on that hat. <laughs> so it would work. But... 
that's that's the best thing I think about minor league baseball is the luxury of the freedom to do alternative logos and have all these different identities. Like the Fresno Grizzlies have like five, like right off the top head that come to mind. So it's just fun. I love that minor leagues is fun and they kind of embrace that across the board. So I thought that'd be a fun way to open this. Um, but now let's get, let's get to the good stuff here. So I feel like you might know a little something, something being down in Arizona, having some inside information, feel free to share whatever you want with our five overlap listeners to being my mom and Tyler's mom. Um, so you're not sharing too much information is kind of what I'm getting to, but last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was Tyler and I predicted the isotopes rotation, we predicted the Rockies rotation. We kind of have, it's like a solid eight or nine guys that are going to be fluctuating between the isotopes and Rockies. And you can, you got, you two already know who those guys are, but let's go to Hartford. This gets, this got a little tricky as I was looking at it. Let's predict the Hartford yard goats rotation. And I want to do this like what we did last week, last time with Tyler, we just kind of alternate. I want to go second because I just want to, and I'm in charge. So I'm going to go second. <laughs> Tyler, you're going to go first. And we'll go like, we'll maybe go six or seven deep. Cause I know that K-Dub has a few names that he's going to want to drop. And I want to hear him talk about one person specific. I have this guy in my head that I think he's going to say. Um, so predicting the Hartford yard goes rotation. Um, yeah. Let's have some fun with it. Tyler, who is the ace of the Hartford yard goats going into the 2023 season? I mean, I guess I'm throwing some pressure on him. Uh, calling him ace but his name is case so i I think case the ace it fits case williams i think he's a lock for the rotation and it's hard to say with all these minor league pitchers who's a lock for what like there's there's like it feels like 30 guys to fit into you know 15 rotation spots between spokane and albuquerque so who's a lock i don't know but uh case the ace is one of them have you have you seen him do anything cool down there patrick can you share uh, every time I every time I lay my eyes on him, he's going head to head with Zach Veen, which is pretty great. Um, oh, that's awesome. I did, I did I did catch up with uh with Case this morning uh, and talk with him. Really, really confident, not not overly, just like comfortable. Like, yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, you know, strong, strong young guy. I mean, uh definitely seems like he has a really good head on his shoulders and went out in that final start um with Hartford up in Binghamton. And he's like awesome. said, Hey, let's let's just go out, have some fun. I'm gonna do what I did. Uh, when I was in Spokane and you just shoved, right. He, he looked really great in that start. So uh, I, I think that's, that would have been my pick uh, case, the ACE uh, as, as the guy for the yard goats, hopefully not very long. Hopefully yeah. He, yeah, he, no. he forces an issue and, and he's got to go to Albuquerque pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, yeah what... I got to, I got to toss a question in here, Patrick, you, since you, you would have a much better grasp on this than the rest of us. You know, a lot of people throw case Williams on their prospects list somewhere between you know, 20, 35, somewhere in that range. But you think the Rockies view him a little bit higher than that? Like they think maybe he's a top 15, maybe top 10 kind of guy in their system. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, that That's hard to say. I mean, they they would probably have 30 guys in their top 10. <laughs> we, we heard right? Dick at the breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you say, all right, hey, everyone in the top 10 is untouchable. We'll trade our 11th best prospect. 
hold on a second. There's, there's 30 guys on this list. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can have number 11. That's not how the math really works, but that's probably, you know, how they view it. And what's interesting, even if you go back and look at, you know, the, the college pitchers that they took in the 2020 draft between Sam Weatherly and Chris McMahon, Case Williams is ahead of both those guys, both, mm-hmm. both division one, you know, starting pitchers there um, uh, from the ACC. So, I mean, uh, it's interesting how his trajectory has been. And, you know, he, he said today that it was, you know, refreshing in a sense in 2020, he's uh, you know, with the Rockies, then boom, gets traded to Cincinnati, got to get a different taste with, of another organization early on to see how uh, they do things and maybe take the best pieces from that. And then, come back to the Rockies, you know, utilize that accordingly. Uh, Noah Davis seems to have done the same thing uh, in that, that Michael Givens trade. So uh, that really seems to have benefited him and the entire organization at this point. Yeah. He's yeah. He's, he just seems to get it like last year being his first full year as a Rocky and not having to switch here and there, I think has got to be great for his mental. And it's just like, yeah, I belong here. And then going three levels last year and dominating in his double a start like he's got to feel good about himself i'm I'm really stoked about case love that guy just turned 21 like i think he turned 21 ways out in arizona i'm sure he sure he enjoyed that um my number two starter is going to be joe rock um friend of the pod of course but he's also electric i love the lefty the no the bull horns down. I'm going to attack you mentality. Him and case are very similar in that sense. Um, I do worry about how well he does with runners on. I think he had like a pretty terrible split, at least 1.0 ERA split between runners on and nobody on. So something's got to work on going into this upcoming season, but his stuff is electric. His mentality is electric. And I think he's going to, he's going to struggle at Hartford first part of the season but I can see him figuring it out. Just that dog and him coming up to the top of the, the glass there with Joe rock. And like, I'm excited to watch him play. Goats are going to be fun. Let's uh, let's go. Kate up Kate up three spot. I was afraid that Patrick was going to make sure he uh, got on that soapbox and demanded. I was fourth after, <laughs> after the introduction on that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really, really good names to choose from. And it's interesting when you really dig into this conversation, because the question can be who's going to start the season at double A yep. and who will get called up along the way and maybe spend a lot of time at double A. Um, I think I'm going to I'm going to take one that could probably fit in both categories, and that's going to be Chris McMahon. Um, you know, talking with Chris Forbes during the season, the Rockies had a player development. McMahon was assigned to Hartford last year to begin the season. He was very, you know, happy about the assignment, really looking forward to it. And that let that lat injury just completely derailed his season. So, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a do over year. Um, McMahon's looking to in 2023, but with some of, you know, the uncertainties about the, uh, the state of the the farm system heading into last season. McMahon was a very prominent name at the top of the pitching list for Rockies prospects. And he has a ability to just kind of pick up where he left off and leave 22 behind him. Um, still really good stuff, really showed well in every stop, uh, especially, you know, with, Spo- uh, with Spokane primarily in 2021. Um, it might not be more than a middle of the rotation ceiling for him, but there's a true wipeout slider that exists with him. Um, there's always been a good fastball there. And, you know, the, the change has always been a little bit more advanced than 
uh, that's you know prevented him from the the reliever risk label um, compared to some other guys. So um, happy and healthy in 2023 has got to be the goal for Chris McMahon in the first place. But I think him starting in Double A and honestly with the favor that the organization has for him in the first place, you know Rock had some experience there. Case Williams is obviously somebody that's very well regarded from Bill Schmidt and his staff. But there's a good chance that they might lead with McMahon kind of being that uh, quote unquote ace for the the yard goats in 2023. So um, I feel like he's as sure of a bet um, as any to be in Hartford as long as he's healthy in 2023. Yeah, I like that sentiment. And I think I agree with everything you just said. I'm not going to add anything. I like that pick. All right, Patrick, can you number four? Who are you putting out there? This is the this is the toughest spot because for the fifth yeah. spot in the rotation, you can have a lot of fun. That's just a wild card. Like <laughs> who cares yeah. at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think what's interesting too that throughout the Rockies organization, what they've kind of changed a little bit with with Bill Schmidt there, kind of being able to do what he wants with the with the pieces that he drafted, pieces that he scouted, and uh that he's been uh, working with Chris Chris Forbes and, and player development, uh, as as uh, Kenneth points out, is that He's able to put these guys in, in places to to challenge them in the best possible way and be aggressive with that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've seen the last two years players uh, come up to the big league roster from double A. We hadn't seen that in, in virtually uh, a decade. You know, Feltner did it in 21 and then Noah Davis last year. Uh, Joe Rock, you know, with, with how aggressive he was kind of, you know, skipping over uh, Fresno and um, a lot of players like that. So you could see someone from Fresno possibly, you know, uh, 21 year old uh he's not he's gonna be 22 this season brian castillo i think jordy vargas might that might be a little bit too aggressive to start the season like that um uh, but a young guy that you know was really solid last year there's nobody really that young that you're gonna look to there's some guys that might be a little bit old it's crazy to say that like 25 is 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 too old in double a but uh, it might be with the options because mm-hmm. uh, there's a little bit of back into the rotation depth uh i would like a guy like mason green you know, he was, he was much better in Fresno than he was, uh, at, at high A Spokane. Um, but I could see him, you know, getting an opportunity in, in, in double a, his numbers were just, just so incredibly solid, uh, again, at, at, at low a, you know, a left-hander who can bring it the way he did, um, was, was phenomenal. And in college, he was, he was, uh, 27 and 0 in college at, at central Missouri, like 16 and 0 his senior year. So, um, he is a guy that is intriguing, is interesting. Again, slinging it from the left, left-hand side. So uh, I tend to think that maybe the Rockies, without any real real information, just just looking at all the pieces together and how they fit, I could see him getting an opportunity to start his year in Hartford. Yeah, he really made a name for himself in the organization last year. Like what he did in Fresno was insane. So I like that. I, not what I would have had, but I like how you went there. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's why, that's why we asked you to be here. Tyler who you got for the number five spot and then I think we'll just go real quick for the rest of us give it like a six seven eight I mean yeah I'll try to try to keep it a a rapid fire pace too I'll go make this a real southpaw pen and and toss Evan Shaver in there you know he's a guy who coming out of the draft I, I mean there was some some early round hype on him and the Rockies snatch him up I think it was round seven i that's that might not be right now he no, was, uh, right. He was seven he was a, a little bit of a later guy and he had some some round two round three hype kind of early in the college season and he's got the stuff to match it um you know he's got a, a, a there's a lot of potential with his slider and his change up and he's a lefty that you know can sit in the, the low 90s so there's definitely some value in that 
he's got, you know, the pitch ability as well. So he's someone he, he got to high A. He pitched somewhat well there, well enough, I think, to to get that push to Hartford. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um I'm going, I'm going I think I'm might steal K Dub's Thunder here. Um, but feel free to add on to it. I'm adding Nick Bush to the six seven spot. I don't know if he'd be triple A or double A. He's that he's that iffy spot. Just being on the on the injury list the last half of last season, his first hundred innings were fantastic. 3.6 ERA, like that almost nine K per nine with a sub two walk per nine. Like he was fantastic. And his stuff is great. He's very He's just really fun, methodical pitching. Um, I just think the injury last year, they might play a little slow with him. So he might start this season at Hartford. Definitely expect him to be at AAA at some point. But I didn't know where to put him, but so I'm going to put him in here just so I could talk about him and then hear K-Dub talk about him right afterwards. Oh, I mean, I I was glass half full and Nick Bush never even crossed my mind because I just immediately put him in ink to be an Albuquerque, to be honest. So the the points are valid with Nick Bush, um, but I think at the same time, he has earned the right to be in Albuquerque. And considering there's not a lot blocking his path uh, for a spot in the Albuquerque rotation, um, I understand that there's some overflow on the major league, uh, uh, you know, depth chart that that's there in Albuquerque, but I just, I give Bush the benefit of the doubt. And, and, okay. you know, maybe there's some rosy colored glasses um, when it comes to that um, for my next one, you know, I want to say Mike Ruff, because I think Mike Ruff in the same capacity really just deserves a, a full crack um, at the, uh, at double at a for an entire season. I don't think he's done anything to deter his ability to be a good back end starter, uh, but I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit. And I'm going to say Jaden Hill. Um, I think the way that we talk about aggressive assignments with somebody like Joe Rock last year, the way that they were kind of handling McMahon up to that point for Jaden Hill, it has to be health first and foremost. He has to kind of push that hundred innings this year because for for, a lot of his collegiate career and for in uh, his first season in pro ball, he just hasn't racked up the innings. But the talent is there for him to fly through the system pretty quickly, especially on the lower level side. So while I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in high A Spokane, I could see the organization aggressively pushing Hill and him getting to double A sooner rather than later, um, just with how big that stuff is. I like that. That's my yeah. I like that. I'm going to have to tip over my king there and just, uh, I'm, I'm out. That's... <laughs> You still have to pick last in our fantasy draft, but um, <laughs> that's, a, so that's a good one. I'm, I'm surprised no one don't pick Tony Losi. I know that, you know, he struggled a little bit uh, when he moved up to double a last year in the rotation, but uh, as one of the younger guys, you know, only just finished up his, uh, his age 23 season, I could see maybe him getting that opportunity. Uh, I don't think the Rockies are necessarily looking to say, well, he was one of the guys that came over in the Nolan Arenado deal. So he's going to, you know, that's somewhat of a tiebreaker. I, I don't really think that that goes into it that much. It's there. I don't think it goes into it that much, uh, but it's there. Um, <laughs> I, I think I could see him possibly, you know, getting that opportunity over a guy who was a little bit more successful, you know, with Spokane, like um, Andrew Quezada, who I think he had the sec- tied for the second most amount of wins last year in, in, in the minors for the Rockies. Now that that's an important stat uh, for Manny Randall, if he happens to be listening Hashtag kill the win. Uh, but Case Williams had the most. And then Andrew Cruzado was, was right there. So, you know, he kind of put up. So he's not young. 
but uh, you know, he's, he's certainly kind of earned that opportunity in Hartford. So I'll take him as my uh, number five starter as a, as a wild card. Yeah. I like that. He was on my list too. So, okay, real quick, where do you see Jeff Griswell? Triple A? Yep. Okay. Um, and that was pretty much all I had. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll McKay- throw a weird one in there. Go Sam ahead. Weatherly. Yeah, he was on my... I, he should have been mentioned, I think. I, I think he's going to turn into an arm bar and arm. I think they're going to try him in, in the at the back end of the rotation or it, arm, arm bullpen area. I just think that lefty, he struggled when he was healthy, finding the zone. So I think just him going out, doing one inning of electric, I can just see him just transitioning to that, that bullpen piece. But he was on my list too. Very Chris McMahon-like. I don't know. Definitely top Spokane, low Hartford, right in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are questions about him coming out of the draft, if if he would be able to stick as a starter. And, you know, if the health was was a little bit better, you know, maybe. Maybe he would have been able to, uh, you know, get. he certainly would have gotten the opportunity, but maybe he would have been able to have that come to fruition. But now at this point where – you know, you maybe you've run a little bit out of out of runway, and you know your path to the big leagues might be a little bit more obvious if if you uh, if you go the reliever route. Something that, that Logan Logan Allen is experiencing right now with the Rockies, um, and it could could you know it's definitely going to increase uh, his likelihood of, of him making the opening day roster, um, and and certainly coming up at some point uh, should should somebody go down. It's crazy to think that the Rockies could possibly have three left-handed relievers in the same and. Brent Suter, Lucas Gilbreth, Logan Allen, talk about being spoiled, but, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you failed starters, you're right. That's who relievers are, but you know, some of them can go on to have, you know, really great careers. One of the, one of the best failed starters of all time is best closer of all time. And the only guy to get a hundred percent going into the baseball hall of fame, and that's Mariana Rivera. So uh, what I'm trying to say is Sam Weatherly will be the next Mariana Rivera. That's all, all I'm, that's all I'm taking <laughs> away from that. Yeah, for sure. You're in it here first. <laughs> all right, one more name. Under promise. <laughs> yeah, right. Put that on a t-shirt. Um, McCade Brown. Big strikeout numbers, big dude. Very repeatable delivery. He just has some pop to his fastball. Maybe thinking high, starting at high A. Tyler, I'm okay. thinking. I'm thinking probably just because he kind of fits in that Sam Weatherly mold where coming out of the draft, it's like, we gotta, we gotta take it slow with this guy because if, if we hit with him, like we hit with him. Uh, But if you push him and, and, you know, certain things get rattled, you know, that's something you don't want to take too big of a risk on. So I think he, he's one of those probably, probably Spokane and, at the end of the day, someone has to pitch in Spokane. There's like a <laughs> lot of guys who could pitch in, in Hartford a lot. Um, and I think kind of the, the sad takeaway, just to tie, tie things back with Weatherly a little bit, it, it's sad that some guys, and I don't I don't endorse Weatherly to the pen. I want to see him start. But some guys have to bite that bullet because there's too many starters in mm-hmm. the system. Like how I started this segment off, you, not all these guys can start. There's There's a ton of them. So... Uh, you know, that's going to be kind of a fun, bittersweet storyline to watch as, as the minors get rolling is who's actually in the rotation, who's in the bullpen. But to to answer the question, McCade Brown, yeah, I think Spokane makes the most sense for him. He he was much better than what his final numbers were yeah. Um, yeah. last year in Fresno, like 522 ERA. But again, that's that's much more 
of, of a hitter's league. Uh, it was only slightly worse than league average, but his strikeout to walk ratio was, was huge. I mean, five to one. So he has the command and he's able to miss bats. So that is that, that puts him up there as a potential guy to go ahead and, and skip high A or again, do the thing where, you know, he, maybe he makes two, three starts. If he shoves, does a good job, then, you know, then any of our wild cards for number five in the Hartford rotation, you know, ends up getting moved down. He gets fast tracked. Yeah. Yeah, the, a hard pill to swallow, as Tyler was mentioning, is, you know, there's there's only so many spots that you have. There's a very real world that exists where you have Jaden Hill, Gabriel Hughes and uh, McCade Brown headlining the Spokane rotation to start the season. So, like, yeah, it's not double A because you have some more bodies in there. But uh, for a less friendly league than than Fresno in the Eastern League, honestly, that Northwest mm-hmm. pitching staff. They can go out there and shove pretty quickly. And that's what makes me think, you know, as some other guys graduate Hughes and Hill and maybe Brown, they can be double a by, you know, the midway point of the season. And, you know, maybe we get a little ambitious and toss a Jordy Vargas in there. That would be, that'd be fun. Victor Juarez too. I want Victor Juarez in that, in that conversation too. Like the pitching depth is there. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out as it keeps going forward. we don't really have any stud ace caliber guy. Maybe like a Jaden Hill is like that true, maybe one, two guy, but I think that's pushing it. So that's kind of disheartening, but there is a lot of talent that there's going to be fighting competition, building off of each other as that season goes on. Like the starting rotations across the board is going to be fun. Cause then you have Jackson Cox, Jordy Vargas, um, Palm quest and a few other guys down in Fresno starting, like it's going to be fun. <laughs> the starting pitching is one of those things I'm going to be watching as the minor league season goes on. It's going to be good. Um, all right. So before we get into the draft thing, I, I also need to promote ourselves. So if you are a first time listener because of the talent that we added tonight with Patrick and K-Dub, we do do a lot of banter sessions. A lot of those names that we just mentioned are people that we've talked to. So if you want to get to know the player a little bit, um, it's one of the things that we love to do, promote those guys. Like Chris McMahon was one of the first few guys that we talked to, Sam Weatherly, Joe Rock, Case Williams is on our, our on our friends of the pod list. So if you are new to us, we do do more than just talk nonsense. We do interview some players, let you get to know them in a little bit better. And that's definitely where our our fun really comes through with that. So Aaron Shunk just dropped on Monday. So just saying, um, go listen, go, go get to know some of these players that are coming up through the system with us. Um, all right, that's my little plug. I'm done. Roundtable questions. Let's talk a little bit major league stuff, random major league stuff, and then get into our insert clever name draft. Still need some help with that. <laughs> um, Roundtable questions. Open whoever just wants to go for it. Um, the more and more that comes out, the more and more out people outside the Rockies organization doesn't quite believe that Ezekiel Tovar is the opening day shortstop. Keith Law is very adamant about saying he needs to start at AAA, get his footing down, really figure it out down there before getting the full-time job. You hear he's just given the full-time job instead of competing for it. What are your expert takes? Um, is Tovar the opening day shortstop? And whoever wants to speak first gets it first. He's obviously the opening day shortstop. That being said, I don't know that he'll be the opening day shortstop. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 
Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Right. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's a tough spot. You know, Harold Castro. Uh, I think he's gonna, make, he's gonna be making the uh, the twenty six man roster. I think he'll be there in San Diego. Um, he's he's not a good you know defensive shortstop, so he, he won't be starting there. He's gonna be the utility guy that Alan Trejo you know was supposed to be and picking up an outfielder's mid and, and going out there shagging some fly balls, which uh, I have not seen firsthand yet so far this spring. And so now that means Trejo would possibly have to go back to AAA, but he doesn't really have anything else to prove. Whereas Ezekiel Tovar could quite possibly, you know, need to prove something. Um, if Trejo's tearing it up down in AAA and Tovar is struggling just a little bit, what are those questions going to be like uh, from myself and, and, and other people uh, and Kenneth, you know, uh, kind of, you got to ask those kind of questions uh, and that can be difficult. That can be challenging. Or you, you put Trejo on the roster, maybe carry all three. If, if Castro is, you know, the super utility guy and maybe you see him in the outfield a little bit more and, and Trejo's the backup infielder, Tovar's struggling. Well now, Hey, Trejo's a young guy. He's trying to establish himself. Maybe he goes out, has a really solid world baseball classic there um, at, with team Mexico as their starting shortstop there's going to be those whispers and, and, and that conversation. And that's going to be uh difficult for a 21 year old shortstop. So um, I feel like that could make sense where you, you, you send them back down there uh, and, and you just make them just kind of give him a little bit more seasoning to kind of ease him into this whole thing. Um, that being said, it it's still, it's still more than not. It's still mm-hmm. 65%. He'll be the uh, starting opening day shortstop. We'll we'll kind of have to see how he does a little bit in spring training. Although if he's bad in spring training, I could also see that that not mattering very much either. Right. Yeah, that's why I brought up the question. So thank you for not answering it, but with an answer that was expected. <laughs> like there's so it goes either way. It's so much fun. Um, way to take a hard stance, Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> really put your foot down, huh? <laughs> I say yes. You- yeah, you're you're saying yeah. yes. I say I say yes, absolutely, and I think that the team has says so much invested in him being one of the first faces of kind of the unspoken rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, I think think that they want to show off Tovar. I think they've deliberately put kind of as little competition as they can around him, and I think that they have a fallback reason of, and it's true that his defense is going to be that much better than pretty much anybody else that he's competing with. I think, uh, I think Trejo has the capacity um, to, to be the starting shortstop, but I think if there's any excuse and any reason that the organization can make to make him the starting shortstop, they're looking for it. And so um, I think the deck is just so stacked so heavily in his favor um, from the org from the outset that he's going to be the starting shortstop. I mean, I think the fact that, he missed like two months with a groin injury, yet he still managed to to practically skip AAA, get to the big leagues. I think that shows the Rockies are willing to to put him out there uh, almost no matter what. You know, if he looks a bit out of his element in spring training and and whatnot, which it's hard to imagine, he goes from uh you know winning the Abby Greer Award to not looking great in spring training, but it's a it's as much mental as it is physical and you know maybe maybe something's not clicking early on but it's i think the the cards would really have to to be against him to not be the opening day shortstop I, like kate said i don't think there's anyone who can really handle the position defensively that's in the mix trejo trejo could pass there pretty well we look at harold castro 
I, you know, I, this is a hit and Herald podcast. It. I do Pro not want to watch him play shortstop. I would lose <laughs> my mind if, if he played shortstop. So no. it's, it's hard to imagine it's not Tovar. Yeah. I want to throw this, I want to throw this wrinkle in there. Um, Ezekiel Tovar has 14 days of service time. If they send him down to the minors for, it would probably have to be the entire month. You would get an extra year of service time. That being said, you know, Kenneth made just a great point. Like this, this is, this is Tovar's time to, to do it. And again, barring, you know, maybe something extreme, uh, there's still a chance that, that it might not happen, but barring something extreme, you know, that, that start on, on opening day is, is going to be his. And they say, Hey, you know what? That's, it's fine. Yeah. We don't need to get him uh, an extra year of, of club control, possibly because they plan on extending him at some point, you know, maybe they give him, they show him the bag real early on perhaps, uh, and do something friendly for uh, for a young man coming out of Venezuela, where you know that guaranteed money is is obviously going to go a long way, and and we've seen a lot of players from Latin America take those kind of deals. So um, it doesn't just have to work out for the Rockies right now and say uh, we'll call them up on May first. Then we get an extra year of club control. They still can kind of have their cake and eat it too uh, if they work out an extension and uh, and start him on the opening day roster. But it is a factor uh, still. I think think to this day teams are 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 operating with that in mind when it comes to service time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good it'd point. Be, it'd be a real <laughs> bad luck. If Dick Monfort goes on the trail for two months before the season, touting how bright the future is and look at all our spectacular, wonderful <laughs> prospects. And then, you know, yeah, that guy, that guy Tovar that you saw last year, Oh, he's going to be amazing, but he needs a month. You know, we think he just needs a month because he needs to get better <laughs> at first to third. Um, and his base running, you know, that aspect needs a little bit of time on it, but no, 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 now he's good in May. So, um, yeah, I, it would be ugly if they did it for the service time. But I mean, one of the first columns that I jumped on in the offseason was talking about uh, an Ezekiel Tovar extension for the exact reasons that Patrick laid out. He's kind of a prime candidate of somebody, okay, this is the guy that you're putting all the faith in the org, uh, you know, for the future in, and he's somebody that might be looking for that early extension, uh, more than some other prospects would, if he's your dude, put your money where your mouth is too. So the service time becomes irrelevant at that point. I think that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. I mean, do the Rockies really do service time? I don't know if they've had very many opportunities. I don't, I think that's why I'm not really thinking of anybody coming to mind, but I don't, they don't really seem like that that organization that really manipulates the service time as much as maybe other teams, maybe, I don't know if, if you, you do hit know. The nail on the head. No, you, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kind of opportunity. And then also just saying like, Hey, at the, we're going to, we're not going to do our guy dirty like that. So yeah. uh, it's kind of, kind of both of those things. Yeah. That's kind of what I was feeling. All right. Yeah. But it's still there. So it's still a question mark you have to answer. Um, can we just shut up the haters, please? How many games will Veen play in center field for the Rockies in his entire career? Give me an over I, under and tell me why it's under. I, I love that we have specified for the, his entire career. Yes. Uh, because mm-hmm. that, that means any answer is applicable. Uh, you know, we never know what's going to happen out there. You, you could have the outfield plague strike the Rockies where it just nobody can stay healthy in center field except for Zach Veen. I mean, you never know. I'm going to throw the over under at like, if we're talking starts, I'm going to say, I'm going to keep it low and go 15 and a half. <laughs> just don't, I just don't see that as, as the future role. Aaron, but, you did say in his career with the Colorado Rockies. Yes. So 
Tyler, do you want to make an adjustment there, knowing that if he were to get traded perhaps for a package of prospects at some point in his career and go for another <laughs> team that ends his time with the Rockies? So, see, this this is why Aaron is a good host. He throws those questions out there with a little bit of spin on it yeah. to, to change it up. Uh, I would set the over-under at six and a half, and I would still take the under. Thank you. Ooh. I'm I'm higher just on the team being in a desperate situation and being having the capacity to do it um, because like, yeah, Doyle and Montgomery are kind of labeled as the future, but if Doyle or, and or Montgomery are basically, if Doyle doesn't pan out necessarily with the, with the bat and become Sam Hilliard and Montgomery maybe has a rash of injuries and that kind of, you know, becomes a storyline in his career, where else are you going to go? And so it, it would be a disservice not to get Zach being acclimated to center field because he could probably just be passable with it. That said, I definitely agree that the mentality is, yeah, he's going to be an above average corner outfielder. So leave it at that. But if the Rockies are in a pinch and they need to lean on Veen for long stretches and he's here for six years, I'll go 40 and a half. Oh, that's 40 and a half and under. Yeah. But again, so it, he has the capacity. It's something like Randall Gretchik, you know, where it's, yeah, he's not great at center field, but he can do it. And if you're in a pinch to do it, you at least know you're putting somebody out there that can handle it for a period of time. So it's high over the course of a career, but, you know, him just basically being that last resort, you've seen them have to lean on it before. So it, it could happen. A quick trivia question. Uh, after 2011, Carlos Gonzalez's 20, uh, age 25 season, how many times did he play in center field so i i was gonna use this as a baseline <laughs> for it and i was just like i wonder because like you know with cargo it ended up being like yeah you knew he had to he got a ton of time in center field a ton of time now if you're saying after 2011 that's when they shut him down totally yeah uh, but my first thought was okay they were able to play cargo and then you know they had to save legs um so i'll let you you spoil that answer but uh <laughs> He got a lot of time for his career with the Rockies in center field. I'm going, I'm going single digits. I just yeah. I don't remember seeing him out there. He was always in right field. Yeah, cue the uh, – anytime you do trivia on the show, this could be the new segment. <laughs> you throw up a player and, and you see his jersey number and that's the answer. So uh, go ahead and throw up the, the Adam Adovino jersey because that's how many times Carlos Gonzalez – uh, played this even a single inning in center field, despite the fact he still had good legs after his age 25 season in 2011. Zero. Is that when Dexter Fowler, is that Dexter Fowler's time though? So they had that person that could be that center fielder. And so, yeah. He's I mean, put up a zero days. when you have a natural center fielder out, out there too. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you mentioned some names that could possibly play center, but I think Jordan Beck might also be a name that could play center I hope. at a very good pace with a strong bat coming through with Benny and Doyle coming through. Also a big fan of Braden Ward. He can, he can, he can man it. He can pick some bases if we need to go Juan Pierre on the NL West, if we need to bring that back. Um, all right. Last, last round type, round type of question. Which first year arm barn arm will make the biggest impact in 2023? So we have a lot of homegrown talent coming through the system. A few names on the 40 man roster that got put up. Um, this is nice little segue master of the segue here into our insert clever name draft coming up right after this. So maybe this is a prequel of your, your, your picks, but 
which first year arm bar and arm bar and arm will make the biggest impact in 2023? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll kick us off here. Give us or give me small forward Gavin Hollowell. Um, you know, he's he's going to play on the perimeter for us. Three and D kind of guy. No, but he he's six foot seven. I think I just love that he's six seven. We don't really you know see that many guys come through like that, uh, and I think it gives him unique leverage that has, you know, given him a huge benefit in his career. And he's got just ridiculous stuff. I think he just had a few mislocations this past season, and and you know the cup of coffee, and that might leave a bad taste in some people's mouth. But I mean, he he and Justin Lawrence, you know, I mean the Rockies have a lot of guys with great stuff, but Hollowell's just up there with any of them. It's he's got really good stuff. So it's it's Gavin Hollowell for me. Like that. What do you got? So you're, asking, you're asking about rookie pitchers with the yeah. Rockies? First year arm bar and arm. In the majors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's Gavin Hollowell and, and and Blair Calvo as as the guys. I mean, Riley Pines also on the 40 man roster. Um Phineas Del Bonta Smith, you know. He was, he was in that Arizona Fall League, um, you know, played pretty well. Some of the uh, Zips projections seems to seem to like him, you know, just a little bit. So he could be one of those sleepers. It's so hard for, you know, relief pitching sleepers to like break through because having seen Reagan Todd in the Arizona Fall League in 2021 and how good he was in that 2021 season and the fact that he's a Colorado kid, it's like this is is going to be the story of 2022 and he you know hasn't sniffed the major leagues you know he, he was fine in, in Albuquerque last year but uh just wasn't the same kind of you lose some of that momentum it's like it's like the rally pine situation where it seemed like he could have made his major league debut last year right would have been a great story would have been kind of a Winton Bernard-esque tale uh for a reliever would have made sense he got hurt and now that kind of resets everything and you look and you say is he going to be able to now he's got to do even more, right? Cause at least he, he had some momentum from the 2022 season, but now it's a whole new year. So now he's got to, you got to rebuild up all that momentum again. And so that, that lightning in a bottle, it, it's, you have to have it strike twice. So uh, that can be hard. I think, I think Gavin Hollowell um, very much could be a dude. I think it's like him and, you know, Justin Lawrence is definitely a darling um, nationally where pitching ninja loves Justin Lawrence. I mean, yes, He's fantastic in that way. And I think Gavin Hollowell could be like that next guy for, for people who notice like, Hey, wait a minute. This, this guy's, this guy's interesting. Yeah. Big on Gavin. I get that. What do you got kid up? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's wise to start the the conversation with uh, Hollowell. And I think Calvo is going to, going to perform enough to really put himself in that spot. Uh, I, I want to say pint because they're going to give him every opportunity honestly to to not only make it to the big leagues but be be able to 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 fill a role um quickly but what i'm gonna go with is ryan rollison and it might be a little controversial because the the conventional thinking is ryan rollison starting pitcher but i think that there's a very obvious plan that can be fit into place with getting Rollison back on track after missing a lot of time. Um, and also kind of having a five in mind for the rotation in the first place. And that's to make him a long man in the bullpen. And so, you know, Patrick was bringing up uh, just how, how 
how the Rockies are lousy with lefties in their bullpen these days. Well, you can throw another one into the mix, honestly, with Ryan Rollison, and it will also be good for his development to, to catch up from the injuries that have derailed basically the last two, three years of his career. Um, I think him being able to be a long man and being able to, to be effective and build up a little bit to probably take over in the ro- rotation eventually really makes a lot of sense from the outset if he is healthy in spring training. So so I'll, I'll say Rollison. I like that pick and that mentality that it makes sense. Kind of got me thinking Noah Davis. I can see him doing something very similar with Noah Davis in that kind of sense. Um, I am surprised none of you said it, but I can see why you didn't say it, but PJ Puyan, big strikeout arm. He struggled with the walks last year at Albuquerque, but his strikeout rates there can give you a solid inning if you need it, but he definitely needs to figure out that the walks at altitude and all that, but, I like his arm a lot. And again, all these were arms at the Hartford yard goats last season that were just tremendous, like six, seven, eight, nine innings. Like it was shut down like Blair Calvo. I love that he is on the 40 man and got the recognition that he deserved because he was light out before his injury last season. So just there's some, again, just us building up. There is some light at the end of the tunnel. There is some good talent coming through the system. And just whether it hits at the major league level or not is what what we're going to find out here. Love it. All right. Do I left any of you off my list because I didn't have any confidence in saying his last name. Um, but you can throw <laughs> Nick Kennedy into that conversation too. Nick Kennedy, I like that. He was one of the very first players that got four strikeouts in an inning last year with the new rule. Uh, no, struck out struck out somebody with two strikes. That was that was the rule with the um, the pitch clock uh, last yeah. year. He was one of the first few pitchers that got that. Um, but yeah, I like, yeah, Kennedy's a good one. All right. Do any of you have an insert clever name for the insert clever name draft? Or can we just go go with that? Keep it the Blake Street Banter way. No notes. No notes. I think, yeah, we, we just go with it. All right. How we, it is how we do it around here. <laughs> Very professional. Um, <laughs> so this is our insert clever name draft. Um, please correct me if I say this wrong, but basically we're all going to pick a rookie eligible player to earn points. Points are earned by at bats and no nope, plate appearances and batters faced. So there's a good threshold that pretty much is pretty even. Like a plate appearance for a batter is pretty much the same equivalency as a batter face for a pitcher. They're pretty one-to-one ratio stuff. So we are drafting a three-team, three-person, three-player team that we're going to follow throughout the season, whoever is going to have the most impact at the major league level um, following that that system. We're all going to pick one hitter, one pitcher, and then the third player can be any position. I think that makes sense. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so we'll Beautiful. go with that. Making up the draft as we go. I think K-Dub is last, but we are doing Snake. So wah, wah. <laughs> Man, you said that with such just assurance. There is I... just no... The confidence behind stick me at the end of the bus. Wow. I just... Like, I know you're, you're a strong competitor, and I'm looking for any edge that I could possibly get. <laughs> To make my voice heard a little bit more as the definitely the low end of the totem pole of this expert list here. So <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go second. 
Tyler, you go first because it's our pod, not Patrick's. All right. And Patrick, you get to go second. Good. Again, snake draft. Pick whatever player you want. Does not matter position or hitter. Um, and give it like a little brief summary why you chose that player. Tyler? This is this is tough. Um, there's two guys I'm I'm, you know, fighting between right now, but just given the lack of certainty in center field, I, I'm gonna go Brenton Doyle. I think he's just gonna he might not perform, but he's gonna get run because he can run. Um, so there's some other guys I think that you guys are gonna snatch up very quickly here, but just gonna keep it a little exciting and and get Brenton Doyle. Yeah, I like that pick. And we are including, for the record, we are including Nolan Jones in this. There's a few other names that we're not, um, but Nolan Jones is part of this. Um, so with that said, I'm taking Nolan Jones. <laughs> I'm, I, I really like Nolan Jones. His, I think he'll earn, I don't know. I'm really big on Sean Bouchard too. But I think Nolan Jones' power is going to get him some playing time with some injuries that are going to hit the outfield, they're guaranteed to hit. So I'm going Nolan Jones as being the next man up in that outfield position. And so he's going to be my first pick. Nice. All right. Uh, with uh, the third overall selection in the insert name rookie draft, is it, you got to brand it that way. Cause you, you have multiple drafts with insert name draft. So this is the insert name rookie draft. Uh, if the goal is to get the most playing time, I think by the end of the year, Ezekiel Tovar will will have the, amassed the most uh, time in, in in the big leagues, uh, so long as you know the groin injury doesn't flare up or whatever. So uh, even if he were to somehow sit out for the first month of the season uh, down in AAA, which again odds are against that, he, he's going to play a lot and he's going to be uh, he's going to be really exciting. So I'll take him first. I feel like I'm an idiot that I didn't choose him. <laughs> but we'll put that off to that another segment. Hey, me too, me too. Me too. <laughs> Damn it. I yeah, I had a lot of false hope right there. I was, it got to the third pick and I was like, is this gonna happen? Like, okay. Um, no, I completely agree that Ezekiel Tovar kind of has to has to be uh at the head of the pack with just the previous conversation. Um, so I'll just I'll finish off the the hitting core and I'll go Michael Tolia. Um, I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot that changed for Tolia in the second half last year, and the Rockies really rode that momentum to that major league call up that he got. Um, he needs to show that he turned the corner and he can put that that production out there for a full season. Um, and it's similar to what Brenton Doyle did. Um, Doyle clicked a little bit later on um, in the season to to not quite get the call up, but Tolia, you know, there's there's so so many first basemen on that roster. Um, that Tolia was able to get a little bit more versatility and show he could play the corner outfield spot. And he's a three true outcome guy. So it's going to make it tricky for him in the first place. But uh, if he can be an on-base machine, continue to have, you know, that, that thump he can provide and still at least provide some average defense in the, in the corner outfield spots while also being able to man first base, no problem. Um, that's a pretty good profile to get some, some big league service time when they call on it. So I'll go Tolia for my hitter. Right. And then um, on the pitching side, uh, you know, we, we touched on this before, but I think that there's a very clear path for Gavin Hollowell um, to be getting a, a defined role, a setup or a middleman that could even graduate to being a setup guy. I think they're really looking to fill uh, a hole left behind from Carlos Estevez. Um, and Justin Lawrence is kind of that guy right now, but 
ideally in that bullpen, you have three late inning guys to set up in one closer. And I think that that second setup rolls up in the air a little bit. And right now it feels like Hollowell's uh, has a, has a good chance um, at, at cracking that spot and getting some really consistent sixth, seventh or eighth inning assignments um, on a week to week basis. So I'll take Hollowell. All right. Well, since we're taking a pitcher, position player and a wild card, uh, I'll go ahead and use my wild card right away because Hollowell, I think, will will spend the most time um, in in the bigs for the for the Rockies next year. But it's in a bullpen role, and even if you know a starter comes up, you know, I think Criswell and Kaufman uh, very well could end the season. You know, maybe get a call up maybe in August. Um, that's going to limit their time. Hollowell, even if he starts the year and, um, or, or gets, gets called up in, in April with the Rockies in the bullpen role, it's going to minimize his innings. So I'll kind of maybe go for the gusto a little bit more and, uh, and also take uh, a guy who should be up by July. Zach Veen, um, is his pedigree kind of, kind of speaks for itself, uh, a little bit, you know, he, uh, uh, we have an article that just went up shameless plug at the dnvr.com unlocked. So it's, it's a freebie for everyone. Um, and he said straight up, he was pissed. He was pissed about, you know, what went down in the Eastern league and, and how he struggled. And, um, you know, he got a chance to kind of reset and go down to the Arizona fall league. And he immediately turned that around against pitchers that were, you know, a good three years older than him, you know, was the offensive uh, player of the year in, in the Arizona fall league and uh, still only hit one home run there. Uh, but he only had one in Hartford and and, all, and you know a few more uh, plate appearances. But he put on 20 pounds, so uh, he you know he came to camp you know feeling good, and he said he's really going to try to put the ball in the air a little bit more. So uh, I don't know that this puts him on a any kind of 30 30 trajectory, uh, but maybe you know the the 15 to 20 home runs becomes more like 20 25 this year. Um, so expect to see a little bit more power out of him and. You know, his ability to steal bases is not because he has blazing speed. I think that's another one of the reasons why you might not see him in center field uh, is because he 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 just reads pitchers really well. Um, he gets good jumps. And and I, I said it to him straight up, said it to him straight up. I said, hey, there's a lot of people who don't think you're blazing fast, but they do think, you know, you, you got a good read uh, on, on pitchers and catchers. Uh, and he said, that's absolutely right. So, you know, that that's his deal is that, you know, it's getting that first quick step. And so that's the, that's kind of speed that will help him in the corners, uh, helps him on the bases and um, he's, he'll be up this summer. It will be fun. Where were you when Zach Veen made his course field debut? That's what we're all going to be saying this summer. I think that's crazy. I, I love that. I love the that. wild card. You went wild with it by the end of July. Was- you heard it here first. Okay. It's crazy we let Patrick get Tovar and Veen. We're all guilty <laughs> of this, but I, I, I believe in Veen. I'm on the Veen dream mm-hmm. tra- t- train. However, July, I think that's just too early this year. But that's, that's maybe. why I'm here. And maybe you're, not you're in Arizona, so maybe there's <laughs> there's a difference between you and I. So <laughs> whatever, love the pick and and dude, man, I I what he said i love his mentality like the pissed off attitude and just coming in to grind and then what he did at the arizona fall league everything he just said I, I think it will take him places in 2023 so i agree with the sentiment i just it's just crazy to think as veen in purple by the end of the year um all right my turn going back and forth i don't know um i think i'm going to go friend of the pod kind of mentioned him earlier 
just love his makeup master tinker himself noah davis he got that action last year he i mean we don't need to talk about it but he got that action last year his stuff will play at the major league level i can see him putting like i said earlier starting as the reliever turning starter vice versa like that fifth fifth six orange spot like you can just put him there wherever and he's going to be able to execute at whatever certain time what he was doing at the end of Hartford last year when he was finally done tinkering and just like figured out what his pitches were doing dude was like light out for like his last five starts in Hartford so and he's just so much fun to watch and those curls just kind of get me going also so I am going Noah Davis as my number two pick all right uh, I, I like having Sean Bouchard available to me. He'll be my my wild card. Uh, that's it's a it's a tricky spot in the corner outfield first base for the Rockies, but like Bouchard earned it last year to to be in the mix and to get a couple hundred play appearances. It's you know especially with Grichik starting the year on on the injured list, I think I think Bouchard benefits from that a lot. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll take him as my my little alternate, and then. You know this this pitcher spot is is stumping me. Uh, I probably would have gone with Noah Davis, but I'll I'll you know flip it to the other side, uh, other handedness, and go Ryan Rollison. We talked about him a good bit. I think at some point he's just going to get innings, uh, whether it's in that bullpen role we kind of discussed, or he you know starts like five games or something at some point. Um, I feel confident he'll get 30, 40 innings. So I'll I'll take that. I like that. Yeah. And just to clarify, Bouchard is not rookie eligible, but we did clarify at the beginning of the seat this, uh, this pod, whatever this thing is. Um, it's he's eligible just because Sean Bouchard is that dude. I, I love that pick Tyler. Um, I was hoping you wouldn't pick him. So I'm going through it here. I think I'm going with the other name. Ah, it's, I'm just, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I'm going to, I'm either going PJ or pint. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm big on PJ, but I'm going to say the pints completely full. Um, I'm going pint on this. I just think the story's there. Rocky's love feel good story. He's back. He was, his stuff is electric. That slider is so much fun to watch. And I just think he is on that fast track added to the 40 man roster. Just all of the stars are in line for him to be there in the Rockies uniform, maybe not opening day, but very, very shortly after he's definitely one or two next up on the list. As soon as somebody hits the injured list. So I'm adding, I'm adding a pint to my table here um, and adding him as my third. All right. So I need to take a picture and Blair Calvo is the only one that's on the 40 man roster right now of, uh, of those rookie players. We didn't, we didn't mention Nick Mears. I mean, uh, and, and that would have been more in the previous segment of, of new guys that, that are in the bullpen, but uh, he's not a rookie, uh, but he deserves a shout out because he's, he's got a pretty cool story. Um, and so that would be nice to, for him to find some success, but um, because it only takes a handful of starts to, to almost, you know, record as many innings or as batters faced uh, as a reliever could in, in virtually an entire year, I got to look to starting pitcher. It's between either Jeff Criswell or, or Carl Kaufman. Um, and I'm trying to get a reaction off of Kenneth and I, I can't get a good read to see, <laughs> but, um, although Chris, okay. is just, 
Kurzweil is incredibly interesting. He has a little bit, little bit of swag actually from what I've seen around the clubhouse um, and just, just walking around the backfields. Um, but because Kaufman uh, did it, you know, a little bit longer um, and, and he's one of those homegrown guys, um, you know, that, that they drafted in, in 2019. And uh, he also has an interesting story because, you know, they, they shut him down because he pitched so late in the college world series there in, in 2019. In fact, Criswell and, and Kaufman, they were, uh, they were teammates together uh, uh, on that squad. Uh, Criswell, I think was in the bullpen at that point, but um, nevertheless, Coffin got shut down in 2019, pandemic in 2020, you know, pitched at the alternate site, but basically had to wait, you know, two years to finally make his debut. And and outside of, you know, one or two starts in, in Spokane, pretty much made his debut in, in Hartford, you know, pitched, pitched his entire first year as a pro uh, in double A. So uh, I'm going to go Carl Kaufman because uh, he's still really interesting. I think if you just look at his ERA, you might say, oh, man, this this guy, eh. He's 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 only somewhat okay, but uh, he's he's got that tough mentality. He's he's a Michigan guy, so uh, I know Aaron will like that pick a lot. Yeah, and he's a friend of the pod, so always love that pick there. But his ERA, his numbers don't say anything. But he figured it out at each level. Like he was terrible at Hartford in twenty twenty one, but twenty twenty two is awesome. Didn't do so hot in Albuquerque last year, but you got to assume he's going to figure that out. He just he's able to make those adjustments. So I like that pick. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm a believer in Kaufman. I think almost too much gets made of uh, 13 games at Albuquerque, especially when yeah. it comes to his control. I think he was a better pitcher than he showed at the end of the season. And I think, honestly, that's uh, that was kind of two years of redlining him, um, kind of hitting him a little bit at the end of last season. So I, I like Kaufman. Whether or not he gets the opportunity, I think, is where my question is with that. Um, all right. So since the, the cover's basically been picked pretty clean, I'm going to, I'm going to reach back a little bit and I'm going to get a little weird with this one. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Willie McIver. Willie Mack. Uh, I'm going to go Willie Mack and the Rockies have a, uh, a proclivity for running two catchers on their 40 man roster and getting away with it. Um, one of these times they're not. And so, you know, if, if an injury strikes, you got to think who's in line. Um, to fill as a backup catcher. And I think, you know, Willie Mack has done well at each level. I think he's graduated appropriately. And I th think he's also created and worked to get as much versatility as he can to make himself appealing um, as a call-up option, kind of a Jordan Pacheco type of mold. So um, this pick is a little bit more based off of opportunity, uh, but that's part of it, you know, because the amount of plate appearances that are going to come, they have to come at the expense of somebody else, uh, basically. So with catching being a, a fairly thin position on the upper level side of it, um, Willie Mack stands out. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with him as my wild card pick. I love that. And pitchers love throwing to Willie Mack too. So I think that defensive capability that he can throw in there might give him that extra push because they're definitely calling him up before Jonathan Morales. Um, Hunter Goodman. I don't know. I don't know. I, they could throw another wild card in there, but I, I, I like the at catcher is a wild card in its own, right? A little dude, bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't argue with that one. I got nothing on that. And Willie Mack, <laughs> Love love Willie Mack right of the pot too. So I I like that. And his hair is gorgeous just as much as <laughs> Noah Davis is. Um I guess yeah, on that, Patrick, since you're our resident expert down in Arizona, how's the whole catching stuff going? Like I saw the Ronica Palma 
being Braxton Fulford, like them joining the crew down there. Thought those were two interesting names. Are they just down there because this pitcher is the catchers? We're throwing all the names that we have in the system down there, or is there really some belief in some of those names down on the bottom end of those minors? Yeah, it's, I think it's a it's a little bit of both, right? The, the Rockies have really strong catching core, like like bottom line, like that's something that you know they they could deal from, you know. Um, obviously probably not to acquire something uh, at the trade deadline to, uh, to improve their, their, their chance <laughs> in the postseason, but more of a, Hey, you guys have a need and you know, we need a little something, a, a challenge trade like that. I think could go really far because you only have, you know, so many spots here for these guys um, to get, you know, more everyday reps or at least be the starter three out of every five days. So you need those bodies there in camp, but the fact that uh, they're going with the homegrown talent, they're going with the guys in house rather than signing that, you know, career catcher that's 31, 32, that maybe hasn't been up in the big leagues in a little while, you know, to help work with your staff. Uh, they trust their young guys enough. So um, Paul, I didn't realize that he uh, lacked a certain amount of size. Uh, he's, he's uh, Tony Walters uh, model. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. bigger than that. His name just speaks like a guy. He speaks like a, a willing Rosario type name. And it's more, <laughs> like, more of a Tony Walters vibe. Um, but, you know, he's, he's great behind the plate um is, is very good defensively black braxton fulford obviously you know that uh the organization trusts him with their pitchers because you know he was there in the arizona fall league and mm-hmm. he just got taken in 2021 so it's not like they were getting a look at him because uh do we put him you know on the 40-man roster because he might get taken in the rule five draft no not at all it was more about you know what he was able to do and, and work with those uh those pitchers that were down there so um, that was a huge piece of that. Drew Romo, a guy that you know we haven't brought up, the, that should start his season uh, at Double A Hartford as well, and and kind of reunite with with Zach Veen there once again. So they've they've got a lot of really good guys there. And Jonathan Morales, I think he quietly had a really really solid year at at Triple A. And so you know depending on what the situation is, would would Morales go up and instead of McIver? Probably not if you're looking for a, a true catcher, but. Uh, if it's more of a look, we just kind of need something temporarily. Um, you know, maybe something like that could happen. But uh, McIver was, McIver was not next on my list. I had Hunter Goodman slightly higher only, and this is a question I want to ask you guys: Willie McIver. If they need another catcher, it's Willie McIver. Period. Right. I mean, what we're looking at this year is identical to last year, where Dom Nunez was clearly the backup. Great, it's fine. Elias Diaz is a starter. But the first guy up in AAA is that replacement if the backup doesn't get the job done. So if Brian Servin isn't serving up, you know, home runs and, and isn't isn't working with the pitching staff as well uh, as they would like, Willie McIver will slide back up, right? It could be a repeat of history. But if they're both healthy and Servin is doing what he needs to do, where's Willie McIver's opportunity? Where's Hunter Goodman's opportunity? He doesn't need to catch to get up there right if he goes out and uh, he's clubbing home runs like he did last year is he at first base there is a dh in the national league now which is which uh, allows for a lot more flexibility and he's playing uh, in the outfield uh, a little bit too and um making some sick backflip plays uh it's a little <laughs> showboaty but no he's not doing that uh but he, you know he's going to learn how to play the outfield so his path to the the big leagues isn't going to quite uh, isn't going to block him quite as much right because if Servin and Diaz are doing what they need to do, it's going to be hard for McIver to get up. Whereas Goodman, if he continues to rake, he'll get that opportunity first. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm curious what you guys think uh, of the odds of, of who gets to the big leagues first for totally different reasons. But who gets to the bigs first, Goodman or McIver? Yeah, I think, I think we know I think we know K-Dubs 
stance. He he snagged him <laughs> up. I, you know, like you said with with Goody, he can he can get it done with the bat to the point that that can carry him to the big leagues. Um, and you know, being able to throw him all around the diamond too, that's that's gonna get him uh, an opportunity. Whereas Willie Mack, I mean, he he has the athleticism to play around the diamond, but he hasn't shown enough with the bat that you're gonna just bring him up to be that you know that extra guy. So Goodman, whether or not it's to be a second or even a third catcher kind of situation, uh, he can, he can get it done on kind of on both sides of the ball. I, I don't know if he's a great defensive catcher, but uh, you know, he can play catcher and he can rake. So gets it done both sides. Yeah. I mean, I, I was still lean Willie. I just, the log jam that is there at the corners, you bring up Goodman, then you're taking bats away from Tolia and Montero and McMahon and Crone. Like maybe they trade Crone at the deadline. I might open something up for Hunter, but we know they're not going to trade Crone at the deadline. So like, I just, I, I don't know if, one year in the system quite earns that major league debut next year, even if he is raking at the at the minors the way he was last year. Led the league in home runs for second. I think he might have been second last year in all of minors and home runs. Um I just think the log jams at all the corners are too much to really push Hunter even how well he's hitting. So I think a catching is gonna be a drastic need before adding another corner piece. Yeah. I mean, I, I echo a lot of the sentiment that you have, Aaron, and, you know, just to, to, to lay it all on the table. So if Hunter Goodman is going to be kind of relegated to first base and maybe he can handle left field and right field, you're essentially having Goodman leapfrog Tolia, Nolan Jones, Sean Bouchard, Ellerice Montero. And that's before you even get to, uh, you know, Crone is there. Gritchick is there. Uh, Blackman to some degree is, is getting at bats, you know, Doyle could be in the equation. So there's just so yeah. many people that they have on the corners. And then the last that that I'll include on that. I don't, I don't see Bud Black putting Hunter Goodman behind the plate at the major league level. No. I think that there's just no nope. the proud pitcher um, there. So the capability is there to be that emergency catcher situation. But I think that uh, a manager's pride would stop that from ever happening. Um, so I, I think just the, the, the statistical odds are in McIver's favor of getting the opportunity more than it is for Goodman. I think if the Rockies were a different organization where the veterans that you named that, that are there uh, at the corner spots, essentially Grichik, Crone, throwing Charlie Blackman, uh, in the final year of their deal, Chris Bryant. you trade them, you trade them at the deadline, those three guys that are going to be free agents after this year, um, that, that frees up spot for you to be able to kind of balance all that. And again, with, with the designated hitter, that's, I don't know if we're, if we're counting the DH as a, as a corner spot, but you, you do have the DH. I, I think you're right. I, I think, again, I think the, the odds are in favor of William McIver, but it, it, it wouldn't be, there's not the, there's not the blockage for, uh, for Goodman um, to get to the majors, because if he's hitting, you're going to just move him up. He's going to keep going up and it's just, we got to get this guy here. We'll figure out how to do it. And, mm-hmm. You saw what Sean Bouchard was able to do last year. That's really promising. Um, you know, his numbers in the minors, you know, weren't quite the same. And you say, well, who's got a bigger upside? You know, if, if Goodman is, is tearing the cover off the ball in AAA Albuquerque, you might say, um, and again, tearing off the cover looks different in the Eastern League in Albuquerque than, than yeah. the Pacific Coast League. Um, uh, take that with a grain of salt. But if he's if he's doing that, you say, 
why are we keeping this guy down in the minor leagues for, you know, fourth outfielder or a guy that we're not sure is, uh, is, is going to be a starter or maybe is more of a, of a bench piece. You, he might be able to tear his way into that starting lineup or, or, or into a spot, you know, five out of every seven days more so. Um, his his path to do that is in his hands, whereas unfortunately with Kyber, um, that that's not exactly the case. I don't know, Patrick. Do you remember Montero's playing time at the beginning of last season? What playing time? Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I just that that history and Bud Black being the veteran manager that he is. I agree with everything you said. Again, a team should be doing that. However history rocky's history doesn't really bode well to really back up what you just said if um, neither of them are up in august it will be interesting to see we have to reevaluate and say all right trade deadline has passed maybe a couple of veterans did leave maybe a couple you know have not uh still serving in diaz you have to look at goodman's season and you say okay here we yeah. are now in in august and september now you're starting to think about 2024 where you know, Goodman is going to be a, a bigger piece of that future. It'll be interesting to see it. Uh, you got a long time to go until it's August. Right. Zach Vigil yeah. made his debut by then, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was I mean, a veteran by that point. Yeah, right. <laughs> got, already got those at-bats underway. All right. I know I want to ask one more question. We'll end it at this after our draft. Um, over under Rockies trades in season <laughs> 1.5. There's we just mentioned a whole bunch of names that should probably be moved. We know we're a young team. We know the window's not now. We're pushing 24, really 25, 26 is that that window. Rockies being the Rockies, blah, 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 blah. I'm putting the over under 1.5. This is our final, our final together moment. What is your take over under one and a half in season trades for the Colorado Rockies in 2023? Tyler, I'm starting with you. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to confidently, and may, maybe I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I'm going to confidently smash the over because of what we've been seeing from Bill Schmidt and kind of a, a new philosophy in the front office. It's a, it's a different team now. This is no longer Jeff Bradich making one trade in a calendar year. You know, Bill Schmidt is swinging deals. They're not major trades, but you know, we saw just this offseason a couple of significant trades that involved the 40-man roster. Uh, kind of a theme of, of our pitching segment is that there's way too many guys. And I could totally see the Rockies trading some pitching depth for, you know, a I don't think they'd trade for a backup catcher, but somewhere that there's a little bit of a need uh, or to get younger, a guy who's, you know, two or three years away from from the Rule 5 draft uh, for, a, to, you know, send out a guy like Nick Bush or just someone who is, is ready to contribute to kind of that swing man back of the rotation role. So I'm, I'm thinking they're going to be able to, to pull some, some tinkering moves, uh, trade from positions of depth and just shuffle things around. That's, that's a bit what we've seen this off season. So I I'm going to expect two, maybe three trades are, are going to go down in season. Okay. I like that. K-Dub. This was a this was a good example of Aaron and you uh, you need to read the fine print on his questions because it was in season specifically and so yep. like yeah I agree with the sentiment Not, of Tyler saying yeah. that Bill Schmidt has been more aggressive but he's also done literally nothing in the last two trade deadlines so there's the whole aspect of when you get in season versus the off season and the tinkering I'll still say I'll say over um, and it it 
stinks having to think too hard about this question. I'll say over, but it's also with the caveat that it's probably not going to be for the players that make sense to move. I think it's, <laughs> it's like, there's, there's going to be two players to be named out there that they end up acquiring. And um, you know, it's, it's going to be ancillary moves, but I could easily see a world where CJ Crone plays out his contract and finishes the season with the Rockies and moves on as a free agent. I think Randall Gritchick um, could easily do the same. I think if Randall Gritchick underperforms, you know, severely, he could end up being a DFA, to be honest. So um, I'll say over, but I don't think it's going to be for clearing, um, you know, some of the clutter in these positions, which are the most sensible moves. I think it's just going to be really minor league stuff and just swapping projects. Yeah, I'm, we're trying to read the fine print. And so Aaron said, this season is he referring to the season of summer so it's still really in, only like a trade in 23 in the season 23 season okay yeah well they usually don't make any deals in, in april anyway of, right. of any consequence you know last year i kind of had the had the the trade deadline uh number at at two even i i couldn't i wanted to maybe make it two and a half i thought that was too high one and a half felt too low so two felt right there and we got a whopping zero. We got one in 2021. Uh, that being said, I, I think 1.5 is the line. Uh, and although Tyler smashed the over, <laughs> I will just lightly caress the over despite what we've seen because, you know, I think those things can happen. You know, going into uh, last season, they had only four free agents. You know, they, they had the three guys on one-year deals, which I thought was great. And they're those are all perfect candidates to trade. And in fact, uh, had they, you know, picked up the phone and, and maybe moved them in June, all of them had really good value. Uh, you could have you gotten back something, maybe not a ton, uh, certainly not a top 100 prospect, but you would have gotten back something and it felt really good. Um, similar to the the Hilliard trade, uh, as as well as the one that they came after for Connor Joe. And you say, all right, um, you know, we like we like Nick Garcia. We like Dylan Spain. Like that's that's something um, this year going into the season before they pick up anybody on waivers. Uh, potentially there's seven guys that are free agents. So that I feel like that uh, only raises the bar and the likelihood that you can kind of offload one of those guys. So it makes sense. And now that they've, they've said it's out in the open of like, yeah, we're kind of waiting in a sense for the next group of guys to come in. It it doesn't make sense to invest in this group to that degree of holding on to veteran players just to maybe avoid losing a hundred games or, whatever you know let those guys go out there um get some opportunity see what you've got i don't think going into last year any of us would have expected what we got to see out of sean bouchard and you go well there you go this is why you got to give some of these guys opportunities um and so you could see more of that again so that is why i'm going to uh, use the soft part of the back of my hand to gently press the over button <laughs> yeah it's it's a fun question when it comes to the rockies so yes in season trades aren't really their forte, but they're like, you just said, Patrick, there are a bunch of names that probably should be moved, but then like what K-Dub said, it will be the moves that we don't expect. And then there's the optimistic Tyler. Um, <laughs> what do you I think, Aaron? What's your, what do you think? I, yeah, we need line. Is going over or are you going under? My heart says over, but my brain says under, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I just, I don't know. I don't know if the trade value in some of those guys is going to be there. So like Crone is a very Coors merchant, happy hitter. Grichik, 
DFA before being traded. I just think he's too costly for what he provides. Um, Jose Urena, I mean, maybe he might be somebody moves at the at, if he has that value at the trade deadline. And then it's just I don't know if the values are necessarily there for the trades from a uh, another team's perspective. So that's kind of why I'm my my head saying the under, but. Maybe maybe that's why the Rockies haven't made any trades. Maybe the value is just not what we think they are. So I'd like to have the pint half full, I guess. <laughs> like whatever. Um, drafted pint, so I think that's yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. funny because CJ Crone is a guy that CJ Crone's a guy everyone keeps mentioning of like, yo, why he sh- maybe shouldn't be here or you know he's, right. he's blocking a lot of guys, but at seven and a quarter million dollars, you know there are other guys who signed you know one year deals. Uh, with other teams, you know, for for less money that that maybe have even better pedigree. So there's mm-hmm. just kind of questions that that are out there. So he's gonna he's gonna have to prove it, you know, yet again. Um, yeah, we'll we'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I, I don't I, the return on on Hilliard and and Connor Joe might not have been great, but it was it was something because they clearly didn't want those guys around for this year. Mm-hmm. They got something. Something is always better than nothing. Yeah, uh, and. I think that 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 also is why I don't think it's going to be in season moves because they like to see their guys play out this season. Like Billy loves his guys; he's very loyal to his guys. He likes to see what they can do, and I just think he he puts too much emphasis on that um, to, to kind of see where the team team that he created at the beginning of the season in April and what that's going to do all the way through September. I think he puts a lot of pride into that, and me speaking completely out of pocket when I say that, but I think there's some tendencies there. Fellas, this was fun. Thank you. K-Dub, where can we find your stuff? Go ahead and give yourself a shameless uh, plug. Yeah, no, and this this was awesome. I want to give you guys a shout out because it's it's fun jumping on with you guys and you do awesome content every single time over at uh, Blake Street Banner. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm over at Purple Row. You can find me every Monday. I'm going to be doing my rock pile features and then also going to be having uh, the full minor league coverage for the site. Our... Uh, um, our uh sorry our uh minor league coverage is going to be mixed in on mondays with my rock pile column so it's all going to be in one bundle when the season starts and then you can find me on twitter at, at kdub1988 nice no minor league pod right since justin wick went on to yeah. bigger and better pastures justin's off to uh, to bigger and better things so the uh, pebble report podcast s no mas uh ah. but we will be uh We'll be getting the Affected by Altitude podcast. Um, okay. That's going to be changing up a little bit. Um, so I'm going to be helping out with Evan and Skyler on that. Um, that, you know, Vox Media is up to some weird stuff these days. So it's changing and not specifically under the Purple Row umbrella. Um, but Affected by Altitude will be around and I'll be helping on that with Skyler Timmons and Evan Lang. All right. So we can still hear your voice if you're not on with us. All right. Thank you. Yeah, my very white. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Lyons, who the heck are you? Well, I'll, I'll, I feel bad for making Kenneth go last, so I'll, I'll plug uh, his appearance on the DNVR Rockies podcast uh, next week because he'll be, uh, he'll be coming on. Susie will be down in, in Arizona, but the, the DNVR.com is where you go. We got a lot more stuff that's unlocked now, so uh, most of the content really is, is free. So you can 
read all about that. And uh, I've had an article pretty much just about every day that that I've been down there and, and should continue uh, next week with, with all the one-on-one interviews and the DNVR Rockies podcast, you know, five days a week. You can go to DNVR Sports on YouTube and, and search that out and feel like Nuggets, Avs, all things Colorado. Uh, we're covering all the teams and the colleges. And uh, yeah, on Twitter, at Patrick D. Lyons, where I will be discussing things like players who've had more triples than stolen bases, you know, <laughs> important things, important things. <laughs> Very important things. Fellas, thank you. I'm going to plug ourselves. We are dropping our BSB prospects list. You'll be listening to this on Monday or that week. Our Friday is when our prospect 11 through 20 list is popping out. Um, so that's there. Noah David or Aaron Shunk fantasy session just dropped. We have another one coming up with Adam McKillican, uh, which is going to be a fun one. Um, and just a lot of banter sessions, a lot of fun minor league coverage is really where we try to find our, our niche there. So follow us, Blake Street Banter on the Twitter, on the Instagram, Tyler at T Pador, no numbers. Uh, uh, that's, that's the, that's the Instagram. If no, you get yeah. Rocky's Instagramming um, at on Twitter at rocks. Don't rake. They used yes. to rake, but they do not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so nice shameless plugs we'll end it with that this is gonna be a fun uh insert clever rookie name draft segment to keep following up on and as always go rocks and the minor league affiliates Woo! thank you for watching and listening please check out our link tree for more content